tossing and turning all night like a salad, it's time to put those sleepless nights to bed for good. Enter Tanasi, my sleep saviors, and they have science to back up their sleep, anxiety, and pain-relieving powers. Back in 2016, they invested a $2.5 million grant to Middle Tennessee State University to study the hemp plant. Turns out their special patent-pending CBD-CBDA formula is twice as effective as CBD alone and can be more effective than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. So if you're tired of tossing and turning like a rotisserie chicken, then Tanasi's got your back with their range of great products from tinctures to gummies to lotions. Tanasi is my go-to when I can't sleep or I have way too much anxiety. I'm so glad that I discovered them. So go to Tanasi.com and use the code POWER to get 25% off your order. That's Tanasi.com, T-A-N-A-S-I, to get 25% off your first order with the promo code POWER. Are you tired of your digestive system feeling like a circus act gone wrong? Introducing Ritual's 3-in-1 Gut Superhero Symbiotic Plus, a probiotic, prebiotic, and postbiotic all rolled into one. And with 25% off with the code POWER, there's no better time to check out Ritual. Let's break it down. Probiotics are like the cool kids at the gut party, keeping everything in check and making sure the good vibes are flowing. Prebiotics are their wingmen, fueling the party with all the right snacks to keep the good bacteria thriving. And postbiotics, well, they're like the cleanup crew, sweeping away the mess and leaving your gut feeling fresh and fabulous. So say goodbye to the gut drama and remember, there's no more shame in your gut game. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate, not hide your insides. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com power. Sober Powered is sponsored by BetterHelp. I was a stress drinker and I thought if only I didn't have so much stress, I wouldn't have to drink this much. But do you know why I had all this stress? Because I didn't have the skills to take stressors off my plate so they built up and wore me down. Some stressors are big and others are small, but carrying around 25 minor annoyances is going to have an impact on you. Plus, did you know that alcohol messes with our stress response system and decreases our ability to handle stress? It makes small things seem like a much bigger deal. Learning how to manage stress and take things off my plate has changed my life. I'm calm, I'm less reactive, and I believe that I can handle whatever comes my way. I feel proud of the way that I handle things now. You can get there too. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com sober to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash sober. I cover a lot of research on this podcast, and it's probably difficult to remember it all. In this episode, I'm sharing my favorite things that I learned in January and how you can apply them to your life. So let's dig in. started with dry January and I'm not including those two episodes so make sure to check out 184 and 185 if you want to learn more about the benefits of your first month. But after dry January I talked about anger and as you probably know I am very passionate 
about anger because it's been a lifelong struggle for me. I had a few favorite studies from this anger episode. A 2018 review published in Psychological Violence found that people that have a low frustration tolerance use impulsive behaviors to try to regulate their emotions because they struggle to commit to long-term solutions. So that could be drinking alcohol or any form of violence, whether it's to the self, to others, to objects. Other impulsive behaviors could be shopping, eating, gambling, sex, All things like this we use to try to regulate our emotions because we don't know long-term coping skills and we're so frustrated that we can't wait. And a 2019 study found that wall punching was strongly associated with a feeling of relief afterwards. And research has found that getting this feeling of relief is the most common reason that people provide for punching walls or any other form of non-suicidal self-injury. So whether you're an angry person or you have an intense negative emotion, when you drink or even just when you pour that first drink, you might feel intense relief. And this is because our emotions are too big and we don't have the tools to cope with them or be patient. An emotion becomes too big when we stuff it down and we avoid it. So things build up all day long and they continue to trigger us. And then one small thing pushes us over the edge. So that was my favorite thing that I learned from episode 186 about anger management. I thought that it was so validating to learn that the feeling of relief is a real thing and not just something that I experienced. I chased this relief my whole life because I didn't know how to cope and things just kept building up and overwhelming me. Low frustration tolerance is what we're working on in my anger management program right now so that we can tolerate more without blowing up all the time and feeling overwhelmed. So if you resonate with this and you want to join a future anger management group, then visit soberpowered.com anger to get on the wait list. So I think this information is helpful because it's interesting and validating. But if you drink or you do something else self-destructive to feel relief, then this is a big sign that you don't know how to cope. And it's okay if you don't. It just means that you have to learn coping skills. We're not born with coping skills. They either have to be modeled for us by our caregivers, we have to be taught, or we have to learn them as adults. So if you didn't learn coping skills when you were growing up, that's not your fault. But if you drink to feel relief or you punch walls or freak out and it helps you feel relief, then this is a sign that you can't cope. So learning coping skills will be essential for you moving forward. The next episode in January was 187, how multiple cycles of withdrawal affects the brain. I've been interested in this topic for a really long time, and I felt happy with how this episode turned out. I thought that it was very validating for why some people just really struggle to get out and they keep going back and forth. I did an episode last week, episode 191, about how going back and forth makes your craving stronger, which builds on everything I covered in this withdrawal episode. So if this applies to you or you're interested, make sure you check out 191. So my favorite study was a 2009 study 
published in Alcohol, that looked at the difference in cognitive abilities between patients with less than two detoxes compared to patients with two or more. So they found that the patients with more detoxes had less cognitive improvements in early sobriety and struggled to control their impulses. So the conclusion here is that multiple detoxes impacts the plasticity of your brain, which is the ability of the brain to adapt and change based on your current situation. We need to be adaptable and flexible so we can realize that drinking isn't doing us any favors and move on. So multiple detoxes put stress on the brain, and this makes the brain more resistant to change. And I explain more about how this puts stress on the brain too in this episode, so go listen afterwards if you missed that one. But this doesn't mean that change is impossible for you if you've had a lot of detoxes. It just means that you probably need some more support. Another study found reduced plasticity in the amygdala and hippocampus from repeated detoxes. So the amygdala is responsible for anxiety and our fight or flight response. It makes us feel an urgency to escape when we get overwhelmed. So this can make it harder for you to learn to cope. And the hippocampus is responsible for learning and memory, which is obviously important in sobriety because we need to understand and remember that our drinking is never going to change and no, it still won't be different this time. So I learned that after you do quit, your cognitive improvements can lag behind people that have less detoxes. So this may mean that you have slower benefits and your brain may come back online slower than others, which makes it easier to go back and forth and back and forth. We have to be able to utilize our full brain power to stay sober. So if your recovery is slower because of the number of detoxes that have put stress on your brain, it makes it easier to go back to drinking. But like I said, this does not mean that you should just give up and drink forever. It means getting sober may be more difficult for you and you need some support. If you've gone through multiple detoxes and you keep going back and forth, then you have to do more to get sober. Don't keep trying the same thing over and over again when it's not working. Go to meetings, work with a sponsor, go to therapy, get a coach, join a program, join a community. There are so many options, but your resistance to getting support because of ego or because people like you don't need support, these are all things that I did too, and it just made things worse. And I want to be clear what I mean by resistance to support. So people ask me for help and guidance a lot. And the first thing that I ask is, what are you doing for support? Most say that they look at my Instagram posts and their spouse, who's never struggled with alcohol, is supportive. But this is basically doing it alone. We need to be around people that understand us. We need to see examples of people who struggled just like we're struggling now, but quit and are living a happier life. We need to see that it's possible for us. We need examples of people who drank like we did so that we don't feel like such a loser. If you don't know any sober people in real life, the examples all around you may just be drinkers. You need to be around people like you. And you're not going to get that from your spouse who can't comprehend why someone couldn't just have one drink and stop. 
So some people will have spontaneous sobriety from a rock bottom moment, or they will be able to figure it out alone. But if you're not getting there, it's important to do something different. So I hope that you will check out an AA meeting, make an appointment with a therapist, or check out my community and join one of our meetings. I was so resistant to support, and it made my life really, really difficult. The only examples that I had around me were people that could control their drinking, and it just made me want to be like them even more so I could fit in. You'll be able to fit in with your people if you get some support. We are out there. The next episode that I want to talk about is episode 188, Wellness Over Weight Loss. I wanted to talk about weight loss for probably like a year but it's such a sensitive topic. But I see so many people that are frustrated and sad about a lack of weight loss and sobriety. And even worse, I see influencers use the promise of weight loss to try to sell their programs. That just sets people up for failure. Not everyone will lose weight right away. So this was an old study, but I really enjoyed learning about a study from 1991 that had weight loss patients, and then people that weren't trying to lose weight. The weight loss group went on an extreme diet, and then they tested them with the eating obsessive compulsive scale to see how much they obsessed over food compared to before the extreme diet. And their obsession scores were significantly higher. The extreme diet caused them to obsess over food, and this increased their cravings for food, which makes it harder to stay on the diet. And then a 2021 study looked at the impact of diet and fitness apps on people's mental health. So people were focusing on getting their macros to be exact. They developed the idea of safe foods. They had anxiety attacks because of all the tracking and they felt rewarded and a sense of achievement when they ate below their numbers and stayed in the green When they went over and got in the red, they felt ashamed and embarrassed. And I used to track too because I felt like macros were the right way to do it. But these apps drove me nuts. My point with this episode was that the more we obsess about something, the further we get from our goal. We can't just decide to turn off the obsession, but it's important to recognize when you're doing this with food and dieting. So if this resonates with you, then I strongly encourage you to work with a therapist who's trained to help you work through this. I'm free from weight and food obsession now, and it is the best. And that's possible for you too. You don't have to carry this around for the rest of your life. In episode 189, I talked about rumination and what's going on in the brain. So this is something that I work with my clients on in my programs. When we drink all the time, we reinforce specific circuits in the brain and the parts that we use to think things through get dusty and tired. Quitting drinking is about coming out of autopilot and strengthening the areas of the brain that help you stay sober and calm. So in that episode, I talked about a 2017 study that looked at patients that were addicted to alcohol compared to healthy controls. And they found that the people that were addicted to alcohol didn't recruit their dorsolateral prefrontal cortex as much as healthy controls when they were highly emotional. This part of the brain helps us adapt our behavior and regulate our emotions. It puts the brake 
on the extreme emotion and helps you think it through and make a good decision. It helps you redirect. If this isn't coming online, you can't redirect and you get stuck on things and ruminate. And then these cues continue to feed us messages to drink, or we want to lash out at others, be passive aggressive, or we stuff it and become depressed, anxious, and overwhelmed. So the lesson with this one is use it or lose it. Start trying to work out the parts of your brain that help you think things through. And my recommendation in that episode was just to start by exercising. Exercise strengthens the healthy cognitive processes in your brain. Even just a walk, you don't have to like be a huge athlete or anything. Just go on a daily walk and start there. You could also start with mindfulness if you do already do exercise. Episode 190 about non-alcoholic drinks was a pretty popular one, and I did get trolled a little bit by people who were anti-NA drinks, which was literally the point of the episode. My purpose was to present both sides of the argument so that we could stop judging each other, and then people who didn't listen judged it. (laughs) So my favorite thing about this episode was not from a study. It was a perspective that I've developed over the past several years. It was point two in my list of cons. NA drinks may be a crutch that keeps you romanticizing a drink. Some people try to just swap out beer for NA beer and maintain the same lifestyle by going to the same bars, hanging out with the same drinking buddies, and sitting around doing nothing at home but watching TV and drinking NA drinks. Our lifestyle has to change in sobriety. We built our entire lives around drinking alcohol, and we can't build our lives around drinking non-alcoholic drinks. So if you continue to maintain that lifestyle and sobriety, then you're going to be constantly triggered, and that can lead you to drink again. NA drinks can be a crutch that prevents us from doing the work, because just sitting around every night drinking NA drinks isn't going to help you stay sober be happier, fill your life with things that make you feel fulfilled and happy, build new friendships, anything like that. But it's not bad to have a crutch. When we first quit drinking, we're very vulnerable. We have no tools, low self-esteem, we feel really insecure, and our emotions are overwhelming and intense. A crutch like non-alcoholic drinks can ease this transition. It's really hard to show up to a social event and not drink, especially when you don't want to discuss you're not drinking with other people. So having something in your hand can help you fly under the radar and just feel more comfortable. If you're using NA drinks as a crutch, I don't want you to be alarmed and think this is a huge problem now. Hopefully you back off as you get more comfortable being sober, but it's just something to be aware of. I used NA drinks as a crutch for my first year, and then I naturally started backing off. So if you're in your first year, I wouldn't even think about it. The first year is just about having all those firsts and getting comfortable. Then you can do more work in your second and third year. But the thing is, this crutch can keep that romantic view of alcohol alive because we clearly value alcohol if we're trying to drink something similar to it. So this is why it's important to be mindful and do the work to fill your life with things that make you feel happy and good 
and reduce your stress so that you don't continue to value alcohol. If you want to learn more about the pros and cons of NA drinks, then make sure that you go listen to episode 190. And those are my favorite things from January. This is a new thing that I'm trying, so I don't know if people will even like the recap. But if you liked it, feel free to let me know. And I will talk to you in the next episode. Madeline, and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking, and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober, and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host, and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety, and lots of how-to for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips. I'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so, so inspiring. I'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking. In fact, it's very much the opposite. And no matter what your relationship was with alcohol, life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober. New episodes come out every Tuesday. You can listen to Happiest Sober Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.